Well, our text this evening is found in the very last verse I read to you uh, from Acts 9, verse 31. And we read this, So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And so if we were to give this message this evening a title, we would say something like this, Edify to Multiply. And, uh, and so we heard this morning how what we believe is crucial because what we believe will affect how we think. And how we think will affect how we live. So what we believe, it, it, it's not um, good enough just to have some academic understanding of biblical truth. We need to know the reality of this truth at work in our lives. You see, it's not good enough to say, I'm a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. And there are many in the UK tonight will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Many can say that. But if we are genuinely born again by the Spirit of God, if we really are an authentic, genuine Christian, then we have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Saul of Tarsus encountered the risen Savior, he encountered him there on that road to Damascus, which we've read about, but we too, if we are truly Christians tonight, we are people who have met with the risen Savior. Now, of course, we've met with him. Remember our little um, verse that we, we considered um, from uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, whom having not seen you love. And so when you became a Christian, I don't know if you can pinpoint a particular day and time, I can, Viv can't, just as a contrast, uh, um, Viv will know a season in her life when God was at work and she can testify and acknowledge that, that this moment I was not a Christian and I needed that assurance, I needed to know the, the, the very real grace of God in my life and then over a period of time she can say, now I know for sure I am his, and he is mine. And so for some people, it, it, we can pinpoint a, a day and a time. For others, it's a season. But this is the point. Whether we pinpoint a day, a time, or a season, we have met by faith the risen Savior. I was sat in a, a wooden um, cabin, a log cabin in the middle of the Forest of Dean, um, it's still there, actually. I'm, I'm, I've, I thought they would have demolished it years ago. It was full of woodworm then, so goodness knows what it's like now. But anyhow, and, and it was amazing. It was as though in that moment, God of heaven came down to meet with me. <laughs> now, of course, at, the, at that time, unawares to me that he was at work in the hearts of others. But for me... Almighty God came to that wooden um, cabin in the middle of the Forest of Dean for me. 
And there with the eye of faith at the age of 12, I saw Jesus with the eye of faith. I suddenly understood that he came to this world for me. That he died for me and for my sin and for my rebellion. And I thought, this is just, this is outrageous. <laughs> this is this is incredible that the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, should come to this world for me. And it was so personal, just as it was for Saul. And in meeting with him, and in bowing, humbly bowing my knee in his presence, my life has never been the same since. And so I can sing that, now none but Christ is able to satisfy. And of course, in some of those verses we've been singing tonight, of that lovely hymn, there are, there are those moments in our weakness, when, when temptation comes calling, that, that in our weakness we are prone to stumble, we are prone to fall, we are prone to fail and to, and to sin and grieve against the holy God. Of course we are. We, we're prone to wander. Isn't that incredible? That we have this propensity that we might sin and wander from the God that we love. And so we need the help of God's spirit. And we need his word. Not one or other but we need both. And when as Christians and when as churches we have both, the reality of the Spirit of God who indwells the heart of each believer and as we, as we mature and grow in love, when we grow in the love and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and understand something of his grace and that we become little by little, day by day, more like him, that we, we we have and possess a greater sensitivity to the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask you tonight, do you have a sensitivity to the Spirit of God? And so we need to be listening carefully as we read Scripture, as we study Scripture, as we feed on Scripture. We need to be sensitive to what God is saying and he will help us to understand he will help us to, to take these truths and not just understand them, but to apply them to your situation, to my situation. And there will be times when the Holy Spirit will, will say, now come on, there, there, there's things in your life that need urgent attention. And so the Spirit of God will, will take a hold of God's word and as he applies it, he'll use it to rebuke us. And to correct us. There are the moments the Holy Spirit will come and take God's word and will apply it to our hearts and show us in order to comfort us and to strengthen us and to help us. There are times that he takes the hold of God's word so that we, we might start to understand and grasp what the very will of God is for my life. And for your life and, and for us as a church. There's this little phrase that I, I came across many years ago. 
and uh, I found it helpful. And this little quotation, all spirit and no word, we blow up. All word and no spirit, we dry up. What we need is spirit and word together so that we can grow. And to coin a little phrase here in this text of ours, that we might be edified. That's a great word, isn't it? Strengthened, built up. And so when we come to verse 31, we see here that the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up or it was being edified. Now, we know uh, that um, the church, uh, since, certainly since Pentecost, has now undergone intense persecution. Anyone who is a follower of Christ, anyone who is in the way, walking in the way, are coming under not just close scrutiny, but they're coming under intense pressure and persecution. And of course, we, we know, don't we, um, the, the intense um, pressure and persecution that's come into to these early apostles and, and to other Christians. We, we know um, here at the beginning of our reading in, in Acts 9 uh, that Saul there, still breathing threats uh, and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And so he went uh, to, um, to the folk there, the high priest at, at Damascus, uh, asking for uh, letters that he may go and um, carry out uh, murderous threats and persecution and taking uh, and putting into prison those who claim to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Intense persecution. Now, of course... We don't really, today, here in Wales, we don't really suffer intense persecution for our faith. In actual fact, by and large, when, I, when I'm chatting to, to the folk here in the city centre in Newport, by and large, there is a, a sense of indifference. Now, Emmanuel, if you, if you know the area, is situated, located in an area called Pill, the, the real name is Pilgwenthley, but no one can say Pilgwenthley in Newport, so they all call it Pill. And there's 7,000 people who live in Pill. Forty-seven At the last census, 47% of all those living in Pill are Muslim. So it makes life interesting, doesn't it? Uh, and, uh, and yet, I can talk to, to our Muslim friends about the Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, and they smile and they, they pat me on my shoulder. And, uh, and you can see that they're, they're you know, they're thinking, he's a bit of a nutter. Um, doesn't, he, doesn't he realize that Jesus is just a person? And, but they're very kind and very respectful. Pat me on the shoulder, they're there. They even send their children to our, our children's ministry. And this is the interesting thing, you know, and okay, they, they might be secretly patronizing me, but who cares? 
if, if that's the level of persecution I'm having in pill, and then I, 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 can, I can rest with that. But they have no idea that their children being exposed to the word of God, and when it comes to them in the power of the spirit of God, they have no idea the impact that God's word brought to their children in the power of the spirit. They have no idea what impact it's going to have on their family. So I'm very excited. And particularly when in our early days there in, in, in Pill, we had a group of little girls who, who'd wait for us to, to park the car in the car park and they would say, tell us more stories about Jesus. And these are young girls from, from Muslim families in Pill. And then out the blue, we, we had a situation where a young girl from Swindon in Wiltshire. Who ever heard of Swindon? And, uh, and she basically said, look, look, as I was listening to God's word, the spirit of God laid on my heart Newport. She had no idea where Newport was. She had no idea there's more than one Newport. But to cut a long story short, the Lord brought her to Pill. He took her out of, in Wiltshire for her faith and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. He brought her to a place of relative safety because she was being persecuted for her love of Jesus. Swindon, Wiltshire, a few years ago. Only a few years ago. And, and so we're beginning to see very real persecution on these shores. I have another man who came with his little girl and mother and they came on one of the boats across the channel. You've, you may have seen some of the reports uh, in, in the media. And he fled Iraq, Christian family, encountered the risen Lord Jesus. Two things. Word of God came to him in such power because it came to him in the power of the Spirit of God. And he and his wife became Christians. His mother-in-law became a Christian. His little girl made a profession of faith. But when the authorities in um, Iran found out, they murdered the wife because she refused to, do, to renounce her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Murdered her. And so we have this little family now, and with the, uh, the wisdom of, of the, the home office, bring them and places them in pill, and they're Kurds, and, they, and they're, given, they're given a little place to live in an area of pill where it's predominantly Kurds. And he said to me, the father, with his little girl and his mother, who is now has um, dementia, said, if they know, this is Newport now, and this is two years ago, if they know that I am a Christian and a, a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will kill me. They will kill me. And I could see in his eyes the reality of persecution. He knew that we'd have to find him somewhere to live. So we did. We moved into another part of Newport and are still in the church. So persecution may not be here in Clidach, 
for your love of Jesus. And it may not necessarily be in, in your workplace or in your home life. But it is being ramped up. The enemy is ramping up. And so we need to know what we believe and we need to know for sure what we believe because what we believe will affect how we think and how we think will affect how we live. But here now we're told that that intense, that level of intense persecution, right, ha has, has quietened down. There is still persecution, but we're told here in our verse that the church now throughout Judea and Samaria and Galilee was experiencing peace. And during this time of peace, it was being built up. Now, have you ever met a lethargic Christian? Have you ever met an apathetic Christian? It's interesting, isn't it? Or should we say, have you ever met anyone who is lethargic and apathetic? It's quite, quite sad, isn't it? More so if they are professing Christians in the Lord Jesus Christ. That whilst there's peace, a time of peace for the church, and we, you could say that, relatively speaking, that we, we, we enjoy peace in the land. It's a dangerous time for the church. It's a dangerous time. So this is a dangerous time for the church. That if we're sat out in the sun and it's a lovely summer's day, the blue skies, can you imagine it? Not seeing much of it where I am in Newport, but I, I'm sure we can imagine together. A summer's day, blue skies, a gentle breeze, warm sunshine. And it's, easy, it's very easy in that situation to nod off to sleep, isn't it? But imagine you're in, <laughs> and we can imagine this, can't we? We're in a storm, howling winds, heavy rain. We're less likely to fall asleep when we're in the eye of the storm. And so where there is some peace for the church, it's a dangerous time. And so we have to be on our guard to, to ensure that we don't become apathetic and lethargic. What happens here in this relatively time of peace they build up the church. Who's they? Well, those who are God's gift to his church. Ephesians 4, he gave pastors and teachers primarily to build up the church, to build up the people of God for works of service, to be edified, to be strengthened. And we see, don't we, as we touched on this this morning, that as we're all members of one body and Christ is the head, so that, so that each one of us has a ministry, has a work to do, and in so doing, we are encouraging each other, and we are building each other up as we are, as we are doing the work that God has given us the strength and the ability to do. They were being built up. Time of peace, dangerous time. Being built up, being strengthened. So when the onslaught comes, when the storms come, when the trials come, when the persecutions come, they're strong. They're strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So they can stand firm for him. 
And, and so they, they take a hold of scripture. So what do we do? We, 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 we teach our people the very word of God. Okay? And so, so this has to be central in all that takes place in the life of the local church. But this being taught on its own without the aid of the Holy Spirit is powerless and pointless. But this aided and equipped coming to us in the power and the authority of the Spirit of God can build us up so that we can then become courageous and fearless and strong. So when I, when I, when I speak to this young lady who was, who was persecuted for her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because her family didn't want her to be a part of the Christian church. She said, too late. I belong to him. Too late. He has intervened in my life. He went to the cross for me. He died for me. He rose again for my justification. He's, he's actively praying and pleading and interceding on my behalf in glory. The Lord Jesus Christ is preparing a place for me so I can, I can spend an eternity with him in heaven for me. It's personal. So when there's a time of peace, it's a dangerous time, the church are being built up. They're being edified. The Lord God, through his spirit, through the ministry of the word. Now, when I was in... Merthyr Tidwell. I was there 18 years. And I had a dear friend. Uh, he would describe himself. So that's okay because if, if ever he came across this, uh, this broadcast or whatever, this, this preach, he knows that I'm just speaking the truth. He would describe himself to me as, as a, a charismatic Christian. In other words, he spent a lot of his time looking for signs and wonders. Because his rationale was this, that if people could see God's miraculous works today, they would trust in him and the church would multiply. And I, various times, over a cup of coffee, because he was paying, I'd say, but you're wrong, brother. He is my brother in the Lord. He, he he knows the very real grace of God in his life. But you're wrong. That's not how a church grows. You see, in Jesus' day, many saw Jesus perform incredible feats. They, they, they saw Jesus' miraculous power before their very eyes. Raising the dead. Opening the eyes of the blind. And stopping deaf ears. The lame to walk. But the very same people who saw these miracles within their hearts, were determined to kill him. And actually, the words of Joseph at the end of Genesis, when he says to his brothers in Egypt, all this that you have done to me, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We see that in the, in the life of Christ, isn't it? That he suffered at the hands of those that he'd created, 
But what were they doing? As they were driving the nails through his hands and his feet, uh, as they spat upon him, as they mocked him uh, and ridiculed him, as they beat him and smote him, what were they doing? They were fulfilling the very plans and purposes of Almighty God. But a way in which a church grows is through the word being taught, being expounded, being explained, and for the Holy Spirit to come and take this word and to apply it and to give understanding and so that people might grow. That's how a church is multiplied. So here we have edify to multiply. Look at the end of this verse, verse 31 and so those in the church, they were walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, so the church multiplied. Now, this is what happens, isn't it? When, when, when we take God's word seriously, when, when actually we sit under the authority of God's word, it's a tremendous joy, isn't it? It's a tremendous privilege that we sit under the authority of God's word. What we say is this, that God's word is our final authority in, in our faith, in our life, and in our practice. But that's where so many professing Christians go wrong. That so-called professing Christians and people within Christendom today are saying, ah yes, but this, this section and this verse and this passage doesn't apply today. We're, we're, we're living in a different culture. We're living in a different age. No, 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 no. This is the eternal word of God that's applicable to your life and to my life for every age and generation. It's the eternal word of God that grants life, that grants understanding, that brings joy, that often brings us to our knees. And it's we're humbled under the mighty word of God. But it's a joy. You're excited to come and sit under the preaching of God's word. There are Christians in various parts of the world tonight who would love, who would long to do what we're doing. And yet they can't. And they're operating in secrecy. They're operating under the underground, as it were. But openly. We have freedom, we have liberty in the land where we can come and we can hear God speak to us through his word. Coming to us in the power of his spirit so that we can be built up in the most holy of our faith in Christ. That we can walk worthily of the calling. That we can be those people he wants us to be. Sure, we often get it wrong, of course we do. But he's gracious to forgive us. And to help us and to cleanse us. And we go again. Now, this is what happens to a congregation that is consistently exposed to the very authoritative word of God. It's preaching, it's teaching, it's exhortation, it's proclamation. Look at it. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. They were, if you like, they were in awe of who God is. They were in awe of what God was prepared to do for them. 
They were in awe of what God is doing for them. They were in awe of what God had planned for them in the future. You know, on those uh, hours of darkness on the cross, many thought the game was up. That Christ, their friend, their master, their Lord, had been defeated. And we saw this morning, didn't we, with the boys and girls, that Saturday was a, was a day of, of reflection, but they were perplexed. They didn't understand. They had no real understanding of why these things should have taken place. It wasn't until the resurrection they understood, even though Jesus had told them. And then they realized. And then they realized, well, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to be aware that God has a plan for us here in Wales. He's not finished with Wales. He's not finished with his church in Wales. And, and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, they ring true tonight as they have ever been true. That I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You, you had a dear friend of mine here last week, John Funnell. Now, he, he was converted in Emmanuel, so there's a bit of a connection there. I first met John some years ago, not many years ago. He, he'd been in Abbasuckham maybe two or three years. And I met him in Poland, of all places. And yet, since I've known him in the last four or five years, I've seen what? I've seen what's happening here in Acts 9.31, taking place in Abbasuckham. Edify through the preaching of the word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, seeing the church grow, edify to multiply. So you might say, oh yeah, but it's all very well here because you're talking about something 2,000 years ago in Acts. No, we're not. We're talking about in the here and now. I can take you to other parts in, in the Welsh valleys where the here and now edify to multiply. I can take you to Merthyr Tidville. Do you know, when I went to Merthyr Tiffel, we had 70 members. And when I left, about 15 were remaining. I buried the rest. But the church had grown. Not because I'm a good pastor, because I'm not. not. Not because we're clever, because we're not. Because God chooses to work through his means in his way, in his time. You see that? It's his church isn't it? It's his divine prerogative, who he saves. But he calls us to do the basics and to do the basics well for his honour and glory. I met a man once in America. I didn't know who he was. He took me, he took me for a, um, a chicken sandwich, chicken in a bun. Chick-fil-A. Have you ever been? Chick-fil-A. There you are. And, and I said to him, I said, hey, I said, hey, Dan, I said, we, we, we get very good service here. Oh, he said, yeah, we pride ourselves on service. I said, oh, you work here? Yeah, I work here. So I just thought, oh, he must have been the manager or something because we had tremendous service. The very next day, I went into the same Chick-fil-A with someone else from the church. And, uh, and the girl said, hey, Andy. So the chap, chap from the church said, what, you know Andy? Hey, Andy. He was in yesterday with Dan. And he went, what, you were here with Dan? Yeah. He says, oh, right. I said, well, who's Dan? So, well, he owns Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I had no idea. 
No idea at all. He was just a successful businessman who wanted to run his business and to, to live his life for the glory of Jesus. He took me down to the head office before you even went through the main doors of his head office, HQ. This was the mission statement, carved in stone. We exist for the glory of God. <laughs> well, that's the church, isn't it? That's you and me. We exist tonight for the glory of God, don't we? Edify to multiply. And, and, and so, Dan told me this, that in the business world, the businesses that are most successful are the business that, businesses that do the basics well. He said, I'm telling you now, he says. The most successful businesses in any type of business are those who do the basics well. Here, Acts 9 verse 31, there could have been a time of complacency. It's a dangerous time with peace. But they were motivated by the word of God in the power of the spirit to teach and to edify, to build one another up. And through edifying the church, building up the people, doing the basics well, Acts 2.42, look it up when you get home, doing the basics well, God was pleased to multiply their numbers. It's time to finish. You've got the fastest clock in Clidach. Zooming round. friend are you excited that you are a blood-bought child of God does that excite you are you excited that even though we deserve nothing even even though we merit nothing from God he lavishes his grace upon you in your life does that excite you I'll tell you what it does for me it takes my breath away I had a lady in park, she used to say in Merthyr, she said, I, I hate it when you say wow. I said, well, I'm sorry. And it gave me a bit of a complex. I didn't realise they said wow so much in preaching, but there we are. Wow. I was lost, but Jesus found me. Found the sheep that went astray. And he brought me back into his way. Me? Me? I couldn't speak until I was five. And when I could talk, I had a stammer. Me? Saved at 12. The Lord told me at 13 I was going to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't know the word wow then, but if I, if I had known the word wow, I would have had a go at saying it. God is able, God is willing to do far more than we can ever imagine, think, or ask for. And God is still on the throne, and he's still giving gifts to his church 
pastors and teachers, those he has gifted and equipped to help us so that we become strong in the Lord and that then we become strong enough to serve him, to serve his church, to serve this community for his glory. Because it's all about him, isn't it? Doing the basics well, keeping the main thing the main thing. So just, just a simple, close walk with thee. So that in some measure, people will see the beauty and the reality of Jesus in my life, in your life. And as we are built up in the power of his spirit, the reality of his spirit in us, and we're sensitive and we're obedient and submissive to his word and to his spirit, as we're edified, the Lord will multiply because he's building his church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. Do you know it? Have you experienced that day that you'll never forget? That moment, that season? Oh, friend, I pray that if you know him and love him, then continue to serve him and continue to tell others of him. And he will build his church. And he will honor all those who seek to honor him.